So here's a question for you. Would you benefit from ongoing support to improve your bottom line and ultimately help you master the business of practice ownership? Tracy Cherpesky International offers you a proven, impeccably designed method to scale your practice while preserving your most precious assets, your time and energy. We blend executive leadership with business coaching and consulting to bring you what you need most to help you become an agile entrepreneurial CEO while serving your patients with the utmost attention to their care. You receive individualized coaching and support from me and our professional team, providing the best of executive leadership and business consulting to grow your practice without you working more. Schedule your complimentary 45-minute practice assessment call at tracycherpesky.com forward slash coaching hyphen benefits. Welcome to Thriving Practice. I'm your host, Tracy Cherpesky, and I can't wait to introduce you to our incredible guests and to share business tips and strategies that will help make your life easier and support you in becoming the exquisitely fulfilled CEO you're meant to be. I am on a mission to help practice owners take back one day per week for the rest of their careers so they can focus on healing their patients and falling back in love with their practice. Join us to learn how you can grow your practice while focusing on doing what you love most, taking excellent care of your patients. You'll want to take notes, so let's go. Have you ever thought of emotional agility and surrender as the hidden business breakthrough secrets? Unless you're steeped in the world of personal development, you may not have thought of it this way, and most certainly you weren't taught this in your clinical training. As the practice leader, it's your job to paint the picture of where you're going on a compelling journey. But as today's guest shares, most of us haven't been taught how to lead our teams to our grand vision, or to use his Wizard of Oz analogy, to the Emerald City. Today's guest is Dr. Matthew Norton, a leadership and team culture coach serving business owners who want to increase profitability and are open to doing that through improving the people aspect of their business. Matthew is the founder of People Plus Purpose and is the creator of numerous innovative assessments that provide unique insights into people's key strengths and signature styles, leading to improved interpersonal understanding, communication, and collaboration. The strategic application of these assessments typically results in improved relationship dynamics, as well as business breakthroughs achieved through optimizing leaders and their teams. Matthew shares beautiful stories of loss of life and purpose and how to reconnect or connect for the first time with our own unique genius. He describes his core four assessments and likens them to the different languages we all speak. The core four are one, action approach, two, cognitive styles, three, inspiration sources, and four, emotional agility. He says the last one, your emotional agility, is the most critical to your ability to lead. We talked at length about one of my favorite topics, mindset. Matthew shared some resources that we've linked in the show notes, so make sure to scroll down to access them. His parting wisdom is first, that clarity is the most noble driving purpose. And you must begin with yourself, the leader, because you are your first hire after all. My biggest takeaway from our conversation is that when we understand ourselves and others, we are in a much better position to lead. And leadership is much more about listening and guiding than telling and directing. 
Make sure to check out the four, the core four assessments at peoplepluspurpose.com to learn more about yourself and your team. You'll be so glad you did. Matthew, it is so great to have you on the show. Thank you for coming today. It is my absolute pleasure, Tracy. My cheeks hurt a little bit because as we were chatting, warming up, we were laughing so much. So yes. I appreciate you <laughs> lifting my spirits. Mine are too. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, we'll try to be really serious for the rest right, of the interview. Right, right. <laughs> uh, well, before we dive in, I love to share with our listeners where you're located geographically, and then we'll dive in. I happen to reside in San Diego, California. Beautiful. It's uh, people say, oh, it's sunny there all the time. It hasn't been, but it is today. So, Oh, great. awesome. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I love San Diego. I just think it's, it's so, there's such a chill vibe there, but there's so much to do and it's like vibrant and yeah. Said to be beautiful. America's finest city. So, oh, I didn't know that, but I, yeah, it I, claim, I it claims it. that, but you can, you know, there's a lot of things you can claim about yourself. Sure. You everybody else to agree on, but I don't know. I'm pretty sure everybody <laughs> who I know who's been to San Diego <laughs> thinks it's pretty awesome. So, <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I'm excited to have you on the show and share with our listeners what you do. And I know you kind of do two different things. So maybe start by telling us what you do, and then we'll just, we'll go for it and see what comes up. Okay. So I do two different things. Don't you? <laughs> you Well, I mean, you probably Let's do see. more than two, but what, professionally, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're being so I, literal. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I know. Um, well, I, I consider myself a leadership and workplace culture coach in terms of just kind of label designations. Um, but then sometimes when I say that, I think, what does that actually mean? And aren't there a bunch of other people who, who do something that sounds like that? So sometimes I think really primarily what I'm doing is I'm a relationship person in business. Um, and, and I guess it goes to the name of my company, which is people plus purpose, which I've, I've had people who know me well say when I named it that they said, that's perfect. That's so you. That's exactly. And, and it's that on purpose that because I, when I was growing up, I, I didn't really feel like I had much clarity on either. I didn't really have people that I could rely on or that were close in my life or there for me. And I also had no sense of clarity as to what I was doing or why I was here or anything. And so those were driving forces for me. And then I kind of got to a place where I felt like I had them. I had clarity and and was really engaged in where my life was going and happily married and loving the professional life I had. And then uh, kind of out of nowhere at the age of 30, my wife had a heart attack and died right after mm -hmm. I'd adopted her twin five-year-old daughters. And so I mentioned that and like to mention that because it really is why I'm talking to you. It's why I'm doing what I'm doing um, is part of my recovery uh, through the grieving process that I that I went through. I remember distinctly the day where the girls were gone and I was just kind of crying out to God and saying, if I could have a life that felt like it was worth living again, that I would dedicate the rest of my life to helping other people find their purpose and fulfill that. And so that's really is what's driven me since 1987 was a long time ago uh, when that commitment was made. But that's 
that's how I seek to live. And I feel like that's been honored. And I've been given so many opportunities to help other people through the hardest times in my life. And I always like to encourage people too, that the best days of my life have come since the hardest days of my life and uh, couldn't necessarily see that at the time. But those were often just in retrospect, we can look back and say, wow, look at Look at how good this has become when it looked so bleak there for a while. Mm-hmm. So, so that's really led into, yes, I, I work with leaders. I work with teams. I use assessments and have been using assessments for 25 years, have been um, certified to use them, looking at different dimensions of, of human beings, right? And, um, and, and, in my leadership and workplace culture coaching working with leaders working with teams i use i look through the lens of assessments strengths-based assessments to be able to to locate the unique genius of each person to find their greatest contribution their strengths and how do they fit for a role how do they fit with this team how can we how can we fully give them the microphone right to to share what's in them to do and have that be part of solving the engagement problem to a huge degree that goes on in, in most workplaces. Mm-hmm. Wow. What a, what a journey you've been on and, you know, everything that I understand about loss and, and grieving, or even just feeling better is one of the first things we can do is do something to be of service for others. Yeah. It's something that can lift our spirits. It helps us see things a little bit differently. It gives us good energy without feeling like we're taking something from people. And I think it's a beautiful choice that you made and commitment that you made to, to be of service and to share that. And you know the added benefit of being able to facilitate your own healing in the process. That's really yeah. lovely. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Wow. So you said something that really struck me, which is um, about this. I don't think you use the word connection, but we, you know, we have this lack of connection and we're starting to see it. I mean, this is the, one of the issues with late stage capitalism is that it's so based around taking, right. Taking and conquering and all of that. And it's something that I think we need to make adjustments to inside the workplace. If we don't want everybody to just sort of throw their hands up and go on some kind of general strike or something. You know, I think we need, we need to make some changes. I think, especially in this country, in the U S we have a lot of, a lot of workplace toxicity and sickness and a lot of good people who don't know what to do about it. Right. So I think it's great that, that people come to you and want, want to learn. Um, So tell us a little bit about, the your assessments and what your what you do with businesses and organizations that come to you um yeah so i'll step even back one one step before i say that to say that i like to use the wizard of oz metaphor uh in in my work because as we speak about people and purpose the people element has much more context in the framework of a journey that we're going to take together, right? Who are these people we're traveling with to go somewhere? And a lot of times that somewhere hasn't been very clarified. What is this 
purpose-driven mission? Do we have a purpose-driven mission? How clear is it? Can we articulate it? Does anybody else know? Um, because people want, in it, as far as from my perspective, being a good leader, a leader paints the picture of where we're going in this compelling journey. Uh, and I think people ideally are, should be hired and ongoingly inspired by the journey that they're taking together. So, so where is this Emerald City? And looking at an Emerald City where just like Dorothy and her friends, they all had different reasons to be there, but they were all, they all needed to get to that Emerald City for their needs to be met, their dreams to be fulfilled. So different reasons, but something that they all were going to find there. So where is that Emerald City that's a win for the business owner, for the team, for the people, the, the patients, clients, whoever they're serving, and then the larger community that they want to influence uh, one way or another? Then we can look at, well, where are they now relative to that? Because then that comes up as we work on describing that a bit more. And they'll say, well, that's not us. That's kind of the point is that there's a journey because you're not there yet, but we at least have a destination. And it can it can change. It's like, you know, if you're in North Carolina and you are heading towards Seattle, then if you find yourself in Florida then you were probably going the wrong way. But you <laughs> to Seattle, you could decide it's not really Seattle. Maybe it's Portland. Maybe it's Salt Lake City. Maybe it's, you know, so there's always mid-course corrections, but at least we have an aim that we can rally people toward. So then, then the next thing is, well, who are the people that are going with me? And for in most, uh, you know, healthcare practices, we are talking about the need for a variety of people uh, to, to complement, to bring their skills together, to accomplish that, and all have different strengths. And so the use of assessments then says, what are those strengths across different dimensions? And I have what I, excuse me, what I call my core four. Um, one is action approach, which is a behavioral assessment. Another is cognitive styles. How does a person most naturally tend to think across eight different styles? And then inspiration sources. What are the value drivers? What, what, what matters to people? Why do they get up in the morning? Why would they stay and be fulfilled in this workplace? And so seven different inspiration sources and then uh, emotional agility, probably the most, excuse me, the most critical one because those skill sets are often what's most challenged. Those first three, there's no better, no worse, just unique, different contributions to make, but different languages that we're speaking so that we don't know how best to collaborate together. We don't know how best to communicate like we could. We don't know how to resolve conflict and where the secret passageways are to really being able to have greater harmony because we we're we if somebody's not hearing us we tend to yell louder in our own language and and think that's going to do it and it's it's not i'm not i'm not understanding you i don't understand why you're why you're valuing that i don't understand why you're doing that or not doing that 
And so if we can help people in those in that awareness and what strategies there are to come together, then I think that's a powerful contribution to make. But none of those, if somebody has lower scores in a particular area, it doesn't mean anything negative. It's just we want to camp on where those greatest strengths or top values are. But in emotional agility, I work with a lot of genius, smart people who are incredibly technically skilled that never really learned to be leaders of people didn't necessarily learn business in school but sometimes i feel like even worse than that is they didn't learn how to lead people and now there's a bunch of people that apparently need to be led or want to be led by <laughs> someone right? right and so um and emotions are moment in moment out leading and guiding that right and so if i if i'm not good with my own emotional skills and I'm not good or and or I'm not good at interacting and engaging with the emotions of another person. We've got a lot of sabotage right there that could negate so many other things and can be, I think, often one of the main reasons people do not achieve their dreams. It's, mm. it's those that lack of emotional skill. So then my coaching tends to work through the insights that we gain through an individual or through teams of people in understanding these unique languages. So whether we're talking about, you know, specific business outcomes or we're talking about human relational um, elements in the journey, I'm still looking through that lens to be able to gather and integrate those insights so I can kind of cheat get a head start into seeing where the solutions might be that would take sometimes a lot longer if I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting that you frame it as like languages that we all speak. When I used to teach like um, leadership workshops to corporates, we talked a lot about how people have different learning styles, but it's not just their learning, it's the words they use. And it's, and so we can cater as leaders, we can learn some keywords at least to cater to how to grab attention and, right. and spark the inspiration. And, you know, I'm, I think it's been shown in research now that motivation really only kicks in five minutes in. So we got to inspire people to start taking the steps and then the motivation will kick in when they build the momentum. Right. So right. I love that this is the approach that you take and it makes it less daunting. You know, you said that, um, that sometimes we just talk louder or start yelling in our own language. It reminded me of a time when I, I studied in France when I was in undergrad. And one of the people in our cohort was trying to ask a question of a non-English speaker. And none of us had enough command of French yet. We, it was like our first week there. Right, right. Um, <laughs> and she said, why do I keep talking louder? It's not going to help them understand me. Right. I need to get my, you know, petite la rousse out right. and start and, you know, and start right. pointing to words. <laughs> it's really funny. Yeah. And she's like, yeah. why am I doing this? It's not going to get me anywhere. But it, that moment, I mean, that was that was a long time ago. I was like, yeah. 19. like that moment stuck with me because I thought that's important information right there. Yes. yes. <laughs> and I've yeah. used that story when I've, you know, been teaching workshops. So I, I just love that, that that's the way you approach it. Cause I think it helps us, it helps us wrap our heads around it a little bit. And right. hopefully if we have the emotional intelligence and agility, we go, I'm going to take a beat. I'm going to take a right. breath. 
Yeah. And I'm going to try this a different way. Right. And what they found is people with lower emotional agility can often do fine when stress conditions are relatively low or they're with people who are very much like them, but it shows up to be most problematic when stress elevates Mm -hmm. and I'm with people, I'm trying to navigate with people that are very different from me, need different things, want different things, behave differently, think differently. And I don't, and I don't know how to, my emotions are guiding how I navigate that for better or for worse. And so that's, that's where that comes in. And I can't tell you how many different business owner, leader, smart people. It's just, they never, when, when is this ever taught? Yeah. When when are the classes on navigating emotions? And in fact, if anything, we're led to believe that those kinds of things are, you know, fluffy and not super tangible and um, not really meaningful in a workplace. I mean, like we don't, isn't that something you act, you intend to set aside when you go into a workplace, which is not possible, right? Because, because we're all robots. Yes. (laughs) It's so interesting. I mean, I think I very much value the education I have, but I will be really frank in saying, you know, I have an MBA and I promise you, we did not learn how to, how to work with people, even though presumably the the business administration part implies management or leadership. Right. Um, there were, to my knowledge, no. We, you know, of course, we had a little HR training, but that was more about the legal side. It wasn't about like how to have a conversation or how to, um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, calm a situation down, um, de-escalate. You know, we didn't learn that. I learned that in my coaching training many years after being out of school. So I think maybe they're starting to work that into programs now, but it's definitely something I think is a a shift in the by and large and the overall culture and not just in company culture. Like it's, you know, I, I, think that it's really important that we show up with our whole selves, but not every uh, organization or business place is going to be appreciative and open to that. Right. Right. That's true. Yeah. That's true. But I, think how- a lot of ex- I think we have a lot of expectations of each other oftentimes mm-hmm. that are not well-founded and it's true in business relationships. It's also equally true in personal relationships. Yeah. I've actually been uh, privileged to, Uh, I don't have a, I'm not a marriage and family therapist or a licensed clinical social worker, but I have been a part of uh, quite a bit of marriage coaching as well. Um, It's the same basic thing, just trying to help people. And and I often will try to equate the, the love in a personal relationship over to love in business to say that it's still a matter of how you treat other people. And if you can come from a place of love, relative to the people that are working with you, then, then I think, okay, love would say serve. If I love someone, then I seek to serve that person. And that's often a first challenge for people to kind of embrace that. I mean, aren't I the owner? Aren't, isn't this my business? Aren't I already paying them? So isn't that sufficient? No, uh, those are all important. <laughs> 
<laughs> but that's I don't think it's sufficient. So yes, thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I, I think that so if if we're serving somebody, then it's a matter of well, how do they want to be served, not how do I want to be served. Otherwise, I'm serving me, not necessarily them. Which means I kind of should study them maybe so I know how they would want to be served. So a lot of the coaching that I'm doing through that lens is helping people understand these people, the other people around them, so they can recognize and know what they need and have that mindset that or that heart set to be able to, to want to serve them and to see how intrinsic that is to the ultimate kind of fulfilling and sustainable business success that they're looking for. Do you find that people are open to this or do you find that maybe initially you do a little bit of education and mindset work around the concept of love in a workplace? Uh, yes. And yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I think that, I think that it's um, sometimes these are foreign concepts. Sometimes people, it, it takes a little bit of connecting of dots to show people how human skills actually affect the bottom line. There's a lot of research about how much uh, disengagement in in workers globally is impacting productivity, profitability, turnover, workplace injuries. I mean, lots of research. And then you can connect that with all the things that have been shown to improve engagement a strengths-based workplace, a purpose-driven mission, a culture of ongoing uh, development, all those things. And then there's strong research uh, around emotional intelligence, or what I like to call in my own assessment, emotional agility, uh, as to how that's affecting the bottom line. So it is very tangibly connected. It just feels far afield sometimes because it's we don't we've not been taught how to work with that so for some people some people are not quite sure some people are not always ready some people are not ready to look at themselves because in truth most people reach out to me the majority of people are referred to me or reach out to me because they've got somebody in their midst that's problematic to them mm-hmm. they the think is dysfunctional mm-hmm. like if you could just fix my office manager never mind the three previous office managers that aren't there <laughs> but <laughs> if you could just denominator? Them, but something it's always encouraging when there's before we finish even our first conversation there is a dawning revelation that they'll say well do you think you think maybe this is me like do you think Part of the problem is is me. I said, well, it's a reasonable. It's kind of like my my wife has an aunt that was married eight times. And so the common denominator between all those husbands, I think it was her. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, we'll ask those questions of our clients as well. Sometimes not direct direct, but, you know, like what sometimes the question is, what do you think could be a common denominator? One of the right. contributing yeah. factors, yeah. you know, and yeah, it's, you know, we, we, my kids are, of course, are Gen Z, and we talk a lot about the air quotes here, labor shortage. Mm. We don't have a shortage of labor. What we have is toxic workplaces and bad pay and benefits that people aren't willing to put up with anymore. <laughs> so when clients say to me, 
the labor market is X, Y, and Z, and those are all negative attributes and you can't find good people. My answer is, well, how are you going to stand out as a like sublime workplace? Perfect. Yeah. What are you doing to set yourself apart so that you can attract the people who are going to understand the value that you bring to the table? Mm-hmm. And you may have to shift a few things behind the scenes to make it that way. I mean, I don't right. work with I don't work with yucky people. So of course they're dedicated to to doing the best and to their right. own self-improvement and all of that. Right. But you know, I think it's worth noting, you know, even the language around um, emotional intelligence, emotional agility, what do we call it in the business world? Soft skills. What does that even mean? Right. Yeah. Because I of course, you know, you need a certain skill set, especially in a really technical field. Okay. All of that. Let's say that's already there. Right. The most successful teams have like people with high levels of emotional intelligence, emotional right. agility, yeah. who whose primary goal is to connect and support and, and empower and provide sufficient support for right. their team to go do their job and be the best that they can be. Yeah. And right. those are the places that have the happiest, most, you know, loyal people who stick around. It's not ping pong table snacks and, you know, beer on Fridays. It just isn't right. You know, not to knock that, but like, it's just, that's not it. Right. The fact that you have a place to take a nap because you work 14 hours a day, that's not healthy. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad that you have a pod. That's great. (laughs) Right. I'm pretty sure this person's partner would like to see them on occasion. That might actually make them happier at work. (laughs) (laughs) And it may be that we spend a lot of money on mm-hmm. technology, on mach- you know, on machines and and things like that uh, at times. But the ongoing greatest expense are those soft things called human beings. So that payroll is really and everything associated with the people in your business is where your greatest cost is. So why not have that be your greatest investment? to invest in your people. Um, and since you're the one that's leading them, how about investing in yourself? I mean, I, so many leaders, that's part of the questions. I have a, a, a kind of a starting uh, little discovery process element uh, called the people performance scorecard that I invite people to take seven or eight minutes to take and ask some questions that they're probably not, you know, like a case history forum that they're not, accustomed to answering probably mm-hmm. but but it kind of reveals um how much they've not been accustomed to thinking about some of these things but when they do they realize huh i maybe i haven't given myself much to some of these things so i mean why not have your people be your greatest business asset instead of just your greatest expense and we kind of saw through the whole pandemic situation how critically important people are. I mean, if there's no people there to serve, if businesses are shut down, then that doesn't work. But if you don't have people alongside you to help you deliver, then then that's when you realize that these this is what's most important. We can have machines here, we can have all the technology, but it's not it unto itself. It's not what's providing the greatest meaning and value in our lives. Even if even if somehow people were just sending money to us, <laughs> mm-hmm. I think ultimately that's still not rewarding enough, right? And the yeah. older I get, 
the closer I get to leaving the planet, whatever that is, the more these things matter to me, much more so than, I mean, it, they've always kind of mattered to me as I was sharing, but but there's a, a continuum in that to where I, I'm just grateful for each day. And I, and I see more clearly the things that between now and then that I want just the very best in those areas. So money, you know, it's a good thing, but it it will come through these other things. And when the focus is on that and that alone, like in, in the client I was working with yesterday, it was our first call business owner. And it's just, he's so stressed about the money. And but then we, when we went further, it was like, he's always been stressed about money his whole life. Mm. Well, so it's not just the current climate bit of downturn with increased people costs, et cetera. It's, oh, this is a habit pattern. This is a way of looking at life. It's depriving you of joy. Yes. And he never thought about that before. He'd never even, so in the first call, he's going, well, this, I didn't know what to expect, but I mean, this was, this was good. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I, I love those kinds of ahas. I, I love when a client, like a new client will come back to me, or even if it's just a, just like, a, I don't call them discovery calls, but a discovery call. And then they'll reach back out. They'll say, I had some really interesting dreams over the past week and I can't wait, you know, to talk to you again. And uh, like, good. Like we peeled back, you know, peeling back the layers of the onion, because I think it's interesting, you know, we do very unconsciously step into thought patterns, belief patterns that most of the time were gifted to us. And many times we purchased, but without realizing. Right. Um, and we decided to embody that. And I think until we have the opportunity to to do that self-reflection and to get curious, we miss out on finding what might be getting in our way. Right. Um, it's I find with my clients too, like sometimes they're like, wow, I didn't even, you know, think about why I worry about money all the time. And they could be, you know, multimillionaires and they're still worried that the money's always going to run out. And it's old stuff that doesn't really have anything to do with them. It's the conditioning right. or their childhood or whatever. And, um, and, you know, disclosure, not a therapist, but the, the discovery process and coaching helps right. us uncover beliefs that we didn't even know we held right. until we start asking the questions. Right. And what a beautiful thing to open up the possibility for your yes. client to free themselves of that yes. pattern that's holding oh, them stuck. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And something that without an invitation to that opportunity, the tyranny of the urgent of just mm -hmm. the dailiness of things prevents, prevents us from getting quiet enough to do that. I recently read a book uh, called the ruthless elimination of hurry. And, and you know, I, I'm not going to say that I have uh, optimized the implementation of all the insights, <laughs> but works but, in progress. <laughs> but um, but there's a lot of good pearls in there because if we don't, in the midst of that hurry, and just like with this client yesterday, he was saying, he's saying, I, you know, I'm I'm I know what to do in the daily tasks and. You know, it's like I'm good in the dailiness of it, but I really have kind of lost motivation in some ways because I don't see a bigger picture. Mm -hmm. I don't have clarity on where I'm going. And so then we talked about 
some of the result of what that leads to and then how to begin to create some space to dream to reconsider so that we can then find some internal drive internal inspiration to engage that is the that precedes the financial security that he's saying will make him happy like if i once i get to there then i will i said well do you think that it's impacting this is impacting your ability to get to there and and he's also was talking about you know people um not not wanting his team members to just be coming to work just for a paycheck but then acknowledge that that's kind of what his mindset has been Mm -hmm. interesting insights to come up right he hadn't really seen it that way yeah but he now is thinking about okay so maybe there's a different way to live beginning so i i I love the journey right you do it's yeah it's just it's and once you see it, you can't unsee it. So then that, you know, sort of, I think Deepak Chopra calls it like the field of potentiality, like then it just opens up and it shifts everything. And, and I want to highlight for our listeners, you know, in case that sounds like out there, happiness and contentedness is magnetic. And so if you're concerned about your finances and you're getting really bent around the axle about that and you're not allowing yourself or you haven't found a way with those sufficient support to get to a place of finding contentment in other things in other ways, internally and externally. Uh, trust, it, like the lid blows off when happiness comes through. It's, it's a pretty interesting and amazing thing. And it has the only kind of trickle down that actually works effect. <laughs> so it has the ability to really spill over Right. And it can be contagious. Also, negativity is contagious. Yes. So yes. it's something that you know we need to be really aware of as leaders. And for our listeners, that's practice leaders. You know, this is whether you view yourself that way or not, you are. Even if your practice manager is the person who does all the training, all of the everything, you're the head cheese, you know, you're the person and you're you're the one who sets the tone. Right. So yeah. I think that's it's a really beautiful thing that you do for your clients and for their teams and probably their clients or patients or whoever, you know, their customers are. It's really cool. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, we do. I do end up going into along the journey and everybody's journey is a bit different in the timing of what I'm doing with them, but to help teach their people how to recognize, because some of this is observable language. If you can get good enough at it to where it changes how you then serve the people uniquely Mm -hmm. different person what are their needs and how do you help them feel comfortable i i just recorded a 12 video segment uh, ce course on on increasing case acceptance through understanding the needs mindsets and emotions of the patient but it reciprocally i turn and look back at the needs mindsets and emotions of the doctor and the team doing the speaking doing the serving doing the influencing right so what are you needing what is your mindset as you're doing this what 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 is your emotional state so it's really a bi-directional relationship in those moments where a sale or they don't if anybody's phobic to that word then where that influence that ethical influence of a yes 
to care recommendations is discovered, right? Mm -hmm. And so, so that's my hope is to bring in some nuances that people are not used to thinking about that are in this real human communication dynamic since the research that I'm finding is about 34% was a good number for how much, you know, care is actually, actually delivered mm. and of what's recommended, right? And so that's, that's fairly bleak. So without increasing your costs and much, any, much of anything else, right, or get even needing more new people, if you were to just be more effective at influencing a yes, and it's not just the doctor, it's the entire team, right, that has those mm-hmm. points of interface. So, um, but those are through the lens of looking to understand the uniqueness of people. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Well, I think that your clients who show up and are willing to do the work are really in a position to make big changes. Like, and it doesn't have to be radical change. Sometimes the smaller change makes the bigger ripple. And so I think that, you know, you're, they're very fortunate and I'm, I'm thankful for the work that you do because I know that it's making a difference. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. And you even had the opportunity yourself to experience my core four assessments. Yes. And I loved it. And I was, as I was telling you, I was kind of snickering throughout. because I was like, some of this stuff, it's going to look like I don't care, but I'm just in a different place than I was when I was an employee somewhere. But it's there. I loved the questions. Like some of them really made me think. And, you know, I probably wouldn't have been able to like rattle off all of my values in order of importance until I took the assessment. And it, it, I felt like in a way, even though, even before I got the results that it helped me drop in to what's most important to me and really like anchor myself through that. So even just the process of taking the assessment affected a change for me. That's good. That's good. Yeah. It's cool. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Well, I'm we glad. didn't even talk about the dental experts network, but if you could just give us a little blurb about it for our listeners who may be interested in learning more about it. Yeah. I've been leading a group. Um, of with some doctors in the group some people are actually delivering specifically dental services some some of the some of the members but uh the majority are people who just serve the dental profession in some way either through their own business or uh in some key role in a, in a company that's serving dent, the dental industry and so for six and a half years we, we do a monthly call there's no cost to be involved um so if anybody listening would have an interest in coming and visiting and checking that out certainly welcome them to do that but really it's a it's a inward facing collegial support uh being able to uh i mean it's it's been a good source of actually people as they understand more and more about the services each person's providing it's it's a source of new business it's been a great source of new business and people saying oh you 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 got to talk to Matthew. You got to see what Matthew does. But, but it, it's not a leads group. It's really it's a it's a people group trying to help everybody be able to thrive, stay abreast of various different topics, and challenge and encourage each other. Wonderful. Well, we will share how to get in touch with you in the show notes. Um, any parting thoughts for our listeners? Any wisdom you'd like to impart? Well, I would just, I would say one of maybe the greatest thing is, as we're talking about people, uh, we're talking about people and purpose, I'd say just the reiteration of, of clarify your most noble driving purpose and also 
when you're thinking about understanding people, begin with you, the leader, that the the success journey really begins with seeing yourself as the first hire. Uh, how well suited are you for the role that you're in as the leader? And where can you grow to be more effective at that? Let that lead in your quest to help other people perform at their best. Wonderful. Thank you. And final question, just where can people find you? Website or email, whatever you want to yeah, share. Uh, the, uh, well, they can email me at brnorton at peopleplusperpose.com. Um, and that's plus spelled out. Uh, and But they can go to my website, uh, peopleplusperpose.com. And on there, you can, if you go up to the tab that says assessments, I would encourage everybody listening. It's not an expensive endeavor. Uh, to click on the link that says the drop down says core four and try the core four assessments, uh, you know, for yourself. Um, if you're really a visionary, then there's a discount if you buy five and it includes some of my time to debrief and apply them and share them with some of your team members. And uh, I'll be glad to add some value, but at least try them and just see the uniqueness of what I'm offering there. Mm, wonderful. We'll make sure that all of those um, ways to get in touch with you and to learn about the assessments are in the show notes. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. I feel like we could talk for hours. I had to keep checking I, the time. Right, right. <laughs> and then, then we might have. No, not yet. But not right. yet. We're getting close. But no, I just, I really I appreciate the work you're doing. I appreciate how much heart you bring to it. And I think it's just so needed and so necessary. So thank you. Thank you for what you do. And thank you for coming today. Thank you. I appreciate you and what you're doing as well. And thank you for the opportunity to be on your program and share. It's, it's been my pleasure. Mm, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Thriving Practice. I appreciate you. And I have an ask. If you got value from this show, make sure to share it. You can give a shout out on social media or tell your friends and colleagues about it. You can also subscribe so you never miss a show. To learn more about how we work with practice owners to help them take back their time, head over to tracytrupesky.com. While you're there, sign up for our newsletter, which has tips and tools for your practice success. A special thanks to our incredible team and thanks to you, our dear listener, for sharing the gift of your time and attention. I wish you so much success as you continue to move forward in your day. If I can be a resource to you, let's schedule a time to talk. You can find the scheduling link on our website.